0: Welcome to She's Having an Episode, a podcast dedicated to TV's very best female characters. I'm screenwriter Layla London. I'm journalist Ashling O'Leary. And this week we're discussing the inimitable Daenerys Effing Targaryen from Game of Thrones.
1: Yay! I know what a woman what a powerhouse
0: what a deep deep arc that we're about to go into um should we we give a little background on Daenerys Yeah. yeah let's do it so, Daenerys, brought to screen by Amelia Clark, had one of the most shocking and intriguing journeys of just about any character in HBO's history. From an exiled and vulnerable princess to the breaker of chains and queen of the Andals, Cis quite literally set fire to the world that kept her down. Of many things, it's her transformation on the quest for power, freedom, and justice that made us go, well she's having an episode ash my love please drop those fun facts before i start waxing lyrical about dragons
1: (laughs) uh one second let me load me notes okie (laughs) dokie are we ready (laughs) we're ready Um, to rumble yes yes we are okay um oh I thought this is gas okay <laughs> so in the season 4 episode breaker of chains um, Daenerys attempting to take the city of Meereen, right so but when she arrives a champion greets her so he is a warrior selected by the masters of Meereen to best a champion of Daenerys choosing in single combat but as this man waits for Daenerys to decide he hurls insults at her from a distance. So um, apparently in Low Valerian, these are actually quotes from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. What? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so um, some of his low blows were, your mother was a hamster and I blow, my no- I blow my nose at you. I blow my nose at you, dear madam, good day. <laughs> What in the world?
0: I, no. I can visualize that scene, but I can, yeah, I just, God, I really don't speak Valerian, so how oh, was the oh, girl you to know? know?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> I know, the writers in this show are having a lot of fun. Um, I shall continue. So, oh, please the, do. Sh- <laughs> the show actually saved, helped to save a rare breed of pig. <laughs> yes. Iron Age pigs have been used regularly on the series due to their uniquely medieval look. Um, for centuries, they have been bred on Forth Hill farm in Northern Ireland by the Gracie family. Costs have been too high. They're not getting enough for their produce, but the show's need for the traditional animals have kept, helped keep the farm afloat. Wow. I know, doing their bit for the local economy, do you know? It's very it's important. That's unreal. <laughs> yeah. Good for them. Excellent for them. Yeah, they're getting, but what do they do now with that Game of Thrones? Is there like a fun setup? Oh I don't know. So the scene, right, where Daenerys has to eat a horse heart, do you remember that? I do indeed, yeah. Yeah, so it was basically a giant gummy covered in corn syrup
0: um, oh yeah so but i mean bl- glad it's not a heart great stuff but I, I know but imagine what a fun thing for the s-
1: prop department to create i don't know i'm just like my hmm, heart i imagine be an excellent source of iron but um i won't i won't <laughs> delve further into that thoughts <laughs> um, um however so fake blood right is uh notoriously very very sticky and mm. when combined with the giant sticky gummy heart, so um, by the time she was done shooting, she was covered in the stickiness and got stuck to the toilet. <laughs> Dear Amelia Clark, <laughs> what a way
0: to go! <laughs> Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh, I know. Poor Amelia, but also like nobody would know that that would be the result of sticking corn syrup on a gummy. I guess. How did she get? How the visualization for a second? I'm like, that's the front of her. Surely the back of her is on the toilet.
1: Oh, like apparently she just went. She went to the bathroom and she ended up getting stuck. Ended up getting stuck to the toilet. So maybe she's moving around the toilet and. She somehow she's just sick. having she's having a wander around the toilet <laughs> <laughs> as you do maybe she needed to get sick after all that gumminess. ness oh, all that do you know what that That's would, probably yeah, what it was wasn't it. it like yeah, really yeah. just
0: really don't feel quite so great eating that enormous gummy and then just vomited her way into being stuck on a toilet
1: Mm, I'm glad I passed this one. Out. She probably gave herself diabetes to be honest. From that, yeah, I'm glad we. Yeah, I'm glad we step by step to that. <laughs> yeah, I was really going to lose sleep over that. <laughs> <laughs> so more, um, yeah, Oh my god, yeah. So the so there was an the original pilot which had Tamsin uh, and Merchant of the Tudors fame, uh in the role of Daenerys, and Jennifer Eel in the role of Caitlin Stark. Um, Jennifer Eel, by the way, was, um, Lizzie in the BBC Pride and Prejudice. Just, just to give you a every visual. every episode goes back to Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> Me and P, we're like this. My fingers so are crossed, close. by the way. <laughs> For visuals. Um, I know, but could you imagine Jennifer, because Jennifer Eel is like, yeah. I have to look her up. I can't visualize her face. Uh she's just, I mean, um. The person who actually plays Caitlyn Stark is just obviously the better person. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Mm.
0: I can sort of see it. It's just a very classic English face, isn't it? Yeah. But all of these characters, I don't know, they they just cast them so perfectly, every single one of them, including Daenerys, right? Like, Amelia is the only Daenerys possible in my mind.
1: But yes, they shot the pilot. It tanked it tanked so um they demanded it be reshot with different actors and so they're obviously replaced with amelia clark and michelle Fairley. oh and then other close calls were um ian oh my god Ewan and rian um almost being cast in the role of Jon snow and by the way so ewan is actually Ramsay Bolton and Caris. Yes. Yeah. And Caris Van Houten almost played Cersei. Karis is actually Melisandra. Yes, the, oh my god. Yeah. That's yeah. Fascinating. I know. It really shows like how we have grown with the faces of these characters. But also just like, yeah, they were dead right to do that swap yeah. Oh, for sure. Because like mm. Ramsey and John are
0: not the same man.
1: <laughs> Fuck no. Like,
0: did you, <laughs> I mean, what, great testament yeah. to Ewan's acting prowess, but uh, if he was convincing people in both roles, but yeah, God, imagine the different trajectory even for their lives in different roles.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. It's just, um, what's the name? Ramsey, obviously, I mean, he's like, he's got a look, right? But Jon mm. Snow is like immediately an absolute right. Like you just, <laughs> he's so hot, <laughs> and you need that for Jon Snow. <laughs> you do actually, yeah. Jon yeah. Snow needed to be hot. You need to because like he's already an outcast, but he's very lovable. You need like I just I do think there's certain physical attributes that are needed in order to for the audience to like endear you even more. Do you know? yeah
0: definitely. Yeah. I mean, like on the casting notes they were definitely like, we need an absolute
1: ride. you yeah. know <laughs> <laughs> Yes, you heard it here. <laughs> so interesting. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah yeah. Um, oh also and then uh pertaining to uh dear Media Clark, this was her like actual first role as- Really? yeah, so this is I mean, in terms of acting gigs, I want to say this is her third role. So, but like, as in before this, it, she was shooting a Samaritans commercial. That's wild. Yeah. So uh, she was twenty-two, landing this role. The entire time she was on the set, she honestly felt like she could, like I'm going to get fired. They're like I shouldn't be here. She had a real sense of imposter syndrome.
0: Oh, I I guess you would when something blows up into the stratosphere at that level too, right? Like fantasy wasn't enormous on TV at the time. It really shifted gears for fantasy to reach new audiences. Mm. It would be shocking to suddenly be propelled into mega fame globally.
1: Mm, yeah, I think, but she said that, like, for the first season, like, they had no idea how big it would be. They're just, like shooting the show and they're like having like absolute lols. And then, yeah, after that, it was just like, whoa, this is something fucking major. Yeah, um, yeah but I think as well, because um, Daenerys in the book is actually like extremely tall and willowy, and emilia Clark is five foot two <laughs> and a brunette. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like th- I think it was like three different auditions, the last of which she did a chicken dance.
0: <laughs> Sensational.
1: I know. I know. She, I, How did that go? Um, uh, she was, she says she was so jacked up on like nerves and jitters. Um, cause she like, it was like, she knew it was, it was between her and someone else she, but she had been flown out to LA and she was, so she like, she basically did her audition. And then she was just like, okay, there, like, you know, the audition had ended, but then she was just like, is there anything else you want me to do? And then they're like, uh, well, you could do a dance. The guy was joking, right? And she was like, okay. And she just did like the chicken wing dance. Cute. I know. Uh, but very endearing. Since then, she says she has learned to know when to leave the room. <laughs> <laughs> pretty well for her I gotta say she does think it might be the chicken dance that led in her favor oh absolutely yeah Yeah, that would that would be a
0: big tick in my book yeah 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 (laughs) so there we have it those are your fun facts pretty much 10 out of 10 as always um should we start at the start and discuss why she sort of fucked from the get-go because her dad's the mad king (laughs) speak
1: (laughs) i mean (laughs) i mean jesus if your dad is mad no one would want to touch you would they i mean everyone wanted to touch her
0: didn't they that's also the problem (laughs) Yeah. Oh, <gasps> yeah.
1: brothers, uh, warlords. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it did kind of ostracize them, though. Do you know? Like, they were a little bit on the outs <laughs> with society. Oh, definitely. Mm. Yeah, I mean, like, if
0: for those who don't remember, we meet Daenerys at the start of the season, where we quickly learn that she and her brother have been exiled. You know, post Robert's rebellion, the Mad King <laughs> going mad. Um, and they've been kicking around in the free cities with the people loyal to the Targaryen name, but nobody's really taking them seriously, even though technically they have a claim to the Iron Throne. And her brother decides to sort of sell her off to Kaldrogo as a way of him getting an army he needs to take the Iron Throne. So we meet Daenerys in a very vulnerable position uh she's been living in exile she's abused by her brother she's sold off to a man and yeah it's a
1: far cry from where she ends up indeed but that is the case for many women especially in the medieval ages um <laughs> sadly <laughs> facts. Look, facts. yeah yeah you know it is it uh, it is mad in a way because you know we're we're seeing like what happened in real life you know women were property they were just seen as assets to further uh, like land acquisition grow armies grow families um you uh grow wealth and they are just pawns in the game. She is a pawn at very much at the beginning. She is just, she's so, she's a classic coming of age story. Very 2D at the very beginning. She's just so like passive. letting mm. Yeah, it's kind of like letting things happen, going along with it. She just knows she's just. Oh she's just been abused by her brother so she's just like powerless and she feels she doesn't know she's so young she doesn't know what her power is um as is the case for many a young woman I might say I don't know. I don't know about you. But it's very rare to meet a very empowered young woman as how oh my god, she's like fifteen when we meet her.
0: That's it. Yeah, yeah, she's a genuine teenager. She is a piece of property. Mm. Um she's then sold as a piece of property as Khaleesi, wife of the <clears throat> Dothraki Khal. And yeah, Viserys decides to, even though he's sort of selling her off, still be the hand that rules her. So she has these two very intimidating men in different ways who are trying to control her physically, emotionally, uh, trying to wield power over her as a as a tool, if anything. It's a very depressing start.
1: Yeah, and it's just, it's so, uh, what's the word? It's so classic, like reducing the woman to her body. You know, it's just like this, um, to an object um an object that is sexualized and maybe unfetishized fetishized one might say and um you know just move from one man to another and without mm. without consulting her needs or desires um you know there's there's no no check in with her emotions now. And <laughs> No, not
0: in not in that world.
1: No, no, no. Yeah, but you know, it's so it's um but she really comes into her own with this partnership, which is a kind of like like what's the word like fuck you to our brother you know like oh it was so satisfying seeing that molten gold be put on her brother's head I was just like yeah die <gasps> die yeah <laughs> you didn't run right?
0: <laughs> honestly that scene lives in my head rent free it is so <laughs> beautiful I am obsessed with it and I mean like by that time so she's been, you know, Khaleesi for a while. She is sort of Stockholm Syndrome-like, fallen in love with Cal Drogo, though you clearly would if he was Jason Momoa. Mm. Uh, (laughs) And she's coming into her power. She's learning how to be a leader and actually even though her brother is still demanding the crown, which she gets, lol. (laughs) She, she's the person who sits in the room and allows it to happen and watches it happen and understands that she's now in a position that ironically he's placed her in where she can be part of that decision-making. It's just Mm -hmm. a really, it's a really significant moment in her story and her arc, I think.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm like it just uh it shows that you know she can be just as cutthroat as her brother like her gender doesn't come into it you know it's, it's not gendered this um the brutality of power mm-hmm. uh, but yeah oh just so great to see her just like watch him and like for her not to squirm i was like yes she will take her revenge i mean pff, is it you know is it good to be vengeful Probably very bad energy. Well, that, that's
0: a question we'll come back to in her story many times. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think it's important for her because she's also sort of finding her position at this point where Viserys is delightfully murdered to become a wife and a leader and a mother in tandem. And then Caldrogo dies essentially and she loses her baby in one fell swoop so that role of mother and wife is taken away from her and that's when she emerges from the flame as mother of dragons and becomes a fucking leader (laughs) it's so I literally just gave myself goosebumps saying it out loud that scene is so beautiful I know and exciting and powerful One of my favorite moments in TV ever.
1: Yeah, it is such a gorgeous scene. It is um, a part of me was just like I was watching and I was just like, Jesus, like this is the photo shoot Sports Illustrated wish they could have or something. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's like, you know, the fact of like her nudity is not it is vaguely sexualized when Sir Jorman comes and gets her after she like you know the next morning when the fires died down and she is naked but then uh it's so uh significant because you know that dress she was wearing all that like she has burned her old self literally and now she is a mother of dragons again literally because they are open out and there's little eggs and they're like crawling over her and they're literal teeny tiny dragons -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) yeah I know they are so fucking cute um (laughs) and it's just like but such a gorgeous shot her of the dragons like it is just amazing um Mm. yeah yeah I hope she has that framed on her wall somewhere now yes
0: Oh, God. So hopefully someone's done a beautiful painting in like 30 times life size or something. Um, Season one is just absolutely perfect. I think it's one of the best seasons of any show in history. I think it's so powerful. And I love that at the end of the season, that's how we leave her. In this mm. new role in this new skin almost yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> dragon skin or something like it um with her new children uh mm. it's yeah it's really poetic really powerful and like i just don't think anyone in their right mind at the end of that season
1: would have been like,
0: "Mm, not sure I'll watch season two, you know?
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, I know. Do you know, like rewatching some of the episodes, I was like, geez, the show was so good. It was so good. Mm. And, Yeah. And I remember, you know, my mom, my sister, like it took me ages to get into it because it was one of those things like, oh, there's so much hype about it. And I was just like, I couldn't be ours. I was just like, oh, (laughs) like it's meant to be, you know, like really offensive to women. And, you know, just like blood and guts. And but actually, you know, rewatching, I was like, this show was amazing in terms of roles for women and really, really great characters, like really great arcs so much complexity so much depth so much nuance and yeah so i am delighted that i cave into the pressure and <laughs> watch this yeah because um, yeah the writing is i mean it's all just brilliant
0: it really is i think that i mean hbo stand over here but i don't know any other a way that this show could have been better. I know everyone has their opinions on the very last season and we will get there, uh, but I just think the, the stories, the books themselves were phenomenal, built incredible worlds that could have been really difficult to portray on screen, especially because you have all of these different worlds sort of growing and moving in tandem, could have been a hot fucking mess, but it was done beautifully. And that first season in particular shocked people, scared people, made people think it was water cooler moments. It was everything you want out of a big epic drama. Um, yeah. Big, big fan.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, Agreed. <laughs> yeah.
0: Very much so. So the fact that she is the mother of dragons, I think is quite interesting actually. And I won't try and jump too far ahead, but as I was thinking back onto her journey, I thought there was something big and metaphorical on the idea that she became the mother of dragons, but it took a while for those dragons to become a threat, right? She had that power. But they were baby dragons. They weren't really setting things on fire for a while. There was no Dracarys happening. She knew she had power. See, metaphor. but mm-hmm. <laughs> well, She didn't know how to use it yet. Mm-hmm. And is that not? the female experience
1: yeah oh I think from the get-go just you know what we're just saying about you know not aware for power like from the very beginning like so passive um very disempowered, being you know kind of shunted along man to man from like one man to the other um she is you know someone's property and then yeah to slowly come into her power and also only coming into her power when her husband you know died like I think it's like once you're rid of men it's like oh wow it's because you're not acting to the male gaze anymore you could you're just acting in your own eyes and you're just like i don't have to respond to anyone anymore like i am the most motherfucking powerful woman on this planet i've got armies abound i've got three Dragons <laughs> who listen to me, you know, no Are one else. Right? Yeah.
0: Because <laughs> yeah. that's it. I think the Dothraki, obviously, were not going to hold allegiance to her with the loss of Kaldrogo mm-hmm. until they s- literally see her be burned alive and reborn <laughs> with these hatched baby dragon eggs. Oh, I wouldn't I be think messing with
1: that. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. There's no
0: reason to really look for another leader, is there? I think that says just about everything. Um, But I think it's really interesting, like, politically, and especially as sort of a, Mm. a war leader, she, in that sort of next couple of seasons, she obviously moves around a lot of different spaces grows her armies in lots of micro storylines with lots of interesting characters but she constantly understands the need to surround herself with the right people people Mm. that know things she doesn't know she builds her armies very slowly and meticulously while the others are sort of busy killing each other in winterfell and king's landing trying Mm. to get to power she's not killing to start uh she's breaking chains she's taking what needs to be you know powered uh behind her mission Mm. uh But she's not quite so reckless and I think it's interesting because everyone else vowing for power is male. She's really the only woman, Mm. maybe besides Cersei, um, who's doing it in a different way, who's trying to find power in in an unusual way which again feels like a massive fucking metaphor
1: (laughs) oh no just but that's the thing the women in these shows are extremely calculated and like as in i think at the beginning they're a bit like doe-eyed or like you know in like in Different guises, we'll say. Cersei, not so much, but like just- I was like Cersei Lannister, no, not. Do well, I. I am thinking <laughs> of um. Oh God, I, just, I forgot the name, Maisie Hill, who she portrays, and um, Sansa Stark. Oh, Sansa and Arya. There we go. Sansa, as yeah, how they grow. I think at the beginning, well, Arya is it's a bit of a spitfire. Sansa though, her arc is incredible. So she Mm. is someone who, uh, like, she kind of mirrors Daenerys, except it takes her far longer to come into her power. Yeah. But I just, you know, just rewatch, yeah, just rewatching that scene where she, oh, it's painful. Like, you know, Joffrey, I forgot how evil Joffrey was. What a fucking bastard. Like, he really was just (laughs) so, so awful. I can't imagine anyone worse. Anyway, and he makes her look at her father's dead head. Like on a spot. Mm. And um He's there's so many horrible little boys in this show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, what does that say about
0: you?
1: <laughs> what's going on in the real world? <laughs> <laughs> They're all watching Andrew Tate. Anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> what was they saying? Sorry, but you know, I just think like there is there are some parallels happening between the women in the show uh in the sense of like how they come to get their power and how they grapple with that and how they fight how they free themselves from the men around them it's a funny actor oh yeah she literally had to embody a boy she had to pretend to be a boy so back to sorry i have sidetracked here i think where what was the initial question oh no it's (laughs) a very valid point i
0: i totally agree with you i think that I mean, again, it's so hard not to jump around in this show, but the fact that literally in one swift move, Aya sort of ends the whole show's purpose <laughs> with the threat in the North. I'm like, yeah. Anyway, um, sorry. <laughs> so many comments, so many feelings. Let's reel it back into Daenerys. Actually, um, yeah, I was. I do want to go back.
1: The building of her armies. Oh, the building of her armies. Um I, I kind of want to go we've got, can I go back to the babies the dragons oh yes please go back to the babies <laughs> yeah I because I was thinking about I was thinking about that role like that version of motherhood where how can I put this um I was thinking like you know the real world women who just have like you know cats or dogs like they're not exactly you know people don't really don't, don't really respect the choice of a woman who chooses to be single and child-free and you know just be happy with her animals you know whereas generic, there's a thing of because they are dragons it's like you, you've no choice but to bow down to that because they are ultimately life-threatening if you get on their bad side but <laughs> when it's it's like you can't respect the choice of a normal woman who chooses to just love her animals and to just be happy with that just I have like- never thought of it in that way I need to
0: sit with this for a second <laughs> yeah I am thought- like is Daenerys the
1: ultimate cat mom Yeah, what <laughs> I'm
0: saying <sorry. laughs>
1: Because I, I was really just thinking about how an, a woman to ultimately embody her, her ultimate power, sorry to repeat the the, the, the U word there, um, but for a woman to embody her ultimate power, I'm sorry, she cannot be married and she cannot have children. Queen Elizabeth I did that. She chose not to marry, she chose not to have children. She was a powerful bitch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so it's that like you have to make certain choices if you want to have ultimate power. And so Daenerys does that by keeping men and women at a distance, you know, they're just, you know, if she wants sex, she'll have sex, she'll take pleasure, but she's very much keeps people at a distance. She is like, no, I have my eye on the prize and I will hmm. be the ultimate queen and mother of this in land.
0: Fact, It's her letting her emotions get wrapped up in things that ultimately leads her to her death. Uh, But that's skipping ahead a few seasons. (laughs) Mm. I totally agree with this. Um, I think this is great food for thought. Let's talk about how, with the help of her beautiful baby dragons, she ends up sort of liberating a lot of places. Because I have a question, Mm. and I think it's worth discussing. Okie dokie. Is there a fine line between liberating and conquering a people?
1: And if so, how do you strike that balance? Ooh, um, is there a fine line? Yeah, there really is. I was lucky, yeah, cause I was watching an episode with the Unsullied and you know, she she gets, she, she, she gains that army. She gets the people, she wins those people over. They are her, she liberates them to, in her eye, from their, you know, evil controlling master. But then she gets the whip, she gets power over them, and ultimately she kills that leader. And I don't know, She liber- it's funny, because she says like she liberates them by, she wants like all um, clothes and land as befitting to what they've suffered be given to all the citizens, right? But then mm-hmm. they are ultimately under her control so it is a bit like girl who are you feeling like you know (laughs) (laughs) like these people are in your power and if they so much to say one word against you i don't know what's gonna happen do you know Mm -hmm.
0: it's it's one of the things i think i find really fascinating because obviously though this is a fantasy show, a lot of this is rooted in British history Mm. and how people did usurp each other's countries and thrones and all the rest. And though I am by no means a history expert, I think there is something generally and objectively interesting about the concept of leadership. Because there has to be a level of just blind narcissism, right? Like that you will be the thing that's either saves the people or leads the people or there's just something so gross about power to me, Um And it's something that whenever I learn anything about history, and I tend to learn the same things 20 times because none of it sinks in, I just go, but why did they want to lead? (laughs) And like for her, clearly she has a birthright. Clearly she's had a very sincere lack of control. She's been very abused in her childhood and young adulthood. And she wants to seize control back, but I still don't understand what would drive a person to want to rule every kingdom that just seems so
1: much (laughs) i think it's just maybe to guarantee ultimate security it's proved herself she can do it um i don't know if she sees any other option Mm. yeah yeah i mean what's the what's the alternative life she leads right truly like yeah like war is happening she's not just gonna sit by like let it happen she's not someone to sit around and you know crochet <laughs> as popular as that was. Yes, exactly. Um or what do they do? Like embroider too you know, or something like that. Uh, <laughs> um those ladylike activities. Then, yeah, I just she is such so, she's she really is a warrior. She is a fighter. She is like she's made of steel that one. Yeah. So I just can't see her sitting around
0: that's it too it's in her blood Mm. right it's her it's her birthright that's the only thing she knows for sure in this world is true is that that is her right um and it's the the thing Mm. she does not have yeah it's it's really interesting and complex i mean i mean it is her right until she realizes that she's fucking her nephew and actually Jon snow has a right to the throne
1: (laughs) oh my god yeah yeah (laughs) I know. Listen, these shows, they obviously thrive on they thrive on incest. They know they really people do, get a, yeah. they know people get a kick out of it. Like what like what's that about? That's so true. It's like
0: if you're sitting in the if you're sitting in the um what's it called, writer's room, and people are like, We need something new that's dramatic for Daenerys. Be like, should he be her nephew? The one <laughs> Do you see it there? Yeah, yeah. yeah, that'd be a good idea. Um, I remember <laughs> back at the time, I, d- I don't know if I've said this on the podcast yet, but I when I joined the Telegraph, the newspaper in the mm. UK, uh, my sort of main responsibility when i joined was to write about game of thrones all day every day and it was during the first few weeks leading up to the final season oh, yeah. um get that, and get those clicks <laughs> got to get those clicks <laughs> oh, and honestly yeah. like w- we put in such effort we outranked hbo when people were searching for game of thrones on google it was a real a mm. real time we spent there yeah. um but i remember doing a lot of theories about what would happen in the final seasons and family trees and all the rest (laughs) when they started sleeping together. And there was like lots of new family trees to make and things to theorize. I remember just sitting in that office being like, all day, I've been writing about incest. (laughs) Just Uh, That has been my whole Day. yeah <laughs> just like incest this incest that oh and here's all the other incest in the show it was very uh
1: God no one did the, uh, no no to the articles that are ranking
0: <laughs> <laughs> incest Palooza over at the Telegraph
1: Mm-mm. <laughs> uh, what does that say about their readers yeah
0: <laughs> No, it was, you know, I'm still very proud of all that work. I, I, it's important
1: work, Layla. It needed to be done. It's like that's absolutely mm, it's proper. You know, getting your elbows in, getting dirty in the trenches yeah for
0: real i think it was a real bizarre building block into my journey of eventually becoming a screenwriter actually i think i just spent so much time looking at character and story uh and theorizing all the things that could happen in the final season i was like i think i've come up with better things than the actually happened in the final season good
1: for me stop the final season was (laughs) shocking shit absolutely dire What? and yet we all stayed up till
0: 4 a.m in the uk to watch it every monday good times
1: no i did not i was like i'll wait till tuesday i like to sleep <laughs>
0: <laughs> For like um
1: i'll see it when i see it yeah cause I'd yeah. Have, yeah i'd have it to look forward to um oh you had Did you
0: have a question there? Incest. Um... So so I guess the the connection back to incest is (laughs) that John's right to the throne threatens everything she's lived, worked, and hurt for, right? The idea Mm -hmm. that he has this sort of way to potentially lead out of love and people are so fond of him and he has this family that supports him and all of these allies and she at that point is sort of leading by fear so he's an enormous threat that she a feasibly is not only related to but fallen in love with and can
1: take her whole life's work away it's very complicated yeah so i was actually reading um about how yeah in most like tv shows or films um there were like you know they are opposites right they each have what the other does not have um so like they both be attracted to the other because of like, why would John be attracted to fear? And I'm thinking about <laughs> maybe I think he's just attracted to a hot woman <laughs> with multiple armies, um, he right. Speak many, many languages and has a few dragons. I mean, come on. Uh, There's a lot to love there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but they're each the other's antagonist and, um, but, yeah, John leaving out of love. I mean, what a metaphor in terms of how leaders should be ruling. We should be ruling out of love, out of empathy, out of kindness. Um fear ultimately holds us back. It is a it is a crippling emotion. Um mm. it can leave people really stuck and paralyzed in their life choices. And it can make people behave in ways they wish they hadn't and it can really limit growth and limit development if you lead out of love you are open-minded open-hearted you know you can leave this world giving it everything you could have and yeah you will surround yourself with really Positive the vibes you know uh,
0: <laughs> uh, even if you really don't make good wartime decisions and send all your armies out to fight when you can't actually see your enemy approaching so yeah you know swings and roundabouts
1: sure listen no one's perfect <laughs> <laughs> close as Jon Snow is yeah yeah I know all we can do is try God, (laughs) Godless (laughs) Pryor.
0: Look, and he was fairly successful. I will say, I will say that for him. I do agree with you, by the way, this is clearly for the lulls, but I think it's an absolute important and imperative point for anyone in a position of power or leadership that you, obviously every single person in the world goes into it with their own anxieties, right? Mm. Whether that's in Game of Thrones or not, But the only way anyone is going to get through it, including that leader, is to do it with some level of love or kindness or support uh, for the thing you're trying to do, rather than uh, conquering or fear. It is really, Mm -hmm. the final season is clearly not anyone's favorite.
1: but. There are all the time they spent shooting it what <laughs> all the money all that time waiting for it jesus christ you could have done better
0: <laughs> i honestly to to this day i'm like i think it will be people's calling card for like shows that ended in an upsetting way but there are points and this is my this is my soapbox moment okay that i actually really appreciate in that final season and the longer i've stepped away from it i think i actually like daenerys's turn like i like how her arc was completed but let me tell you why okay go on so (laughs) obviously a lot of mad stuff happens i uh, i'm not a fan of the first half of the season sort of at all it's very slow
1: and then it sort of all happens at once um it's fucking painful like drawing blood from a stone it's just like <laughs> can we get on with it like <laughs> right
0: and then they clearly kill the biggest threat of the show in a, a very sort of anti-climactic way it's weird it's weird but after that we see Cersei kill Missandei in front of Daenerys, and up until that point, that is truly her only space that she can absolutely trust, an absolute support, an absolute confidant, friend, all the rest of it. That alone would send me fucking mad, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that moment I think doesn't get a lot of airtime and people's sort of discussions about, you know, how she just fucking lost it and burned the city down. Uh, But she had been through an enormous amount her whole life. Mm. She had reached, you know, (laughs) she'd reached King's Landing. She had got to the point where in some version of events, she could have been a gentle or simple leader. Her dragon gets murdered, uh, her best friend gets murdered and the person that she's fallen in love with is going around telling people that he's actually the one with the claim to the Iron Throne. Mm. You would probably lose your mind. It's just it does it's not necessarily a mad king thing. That just might be a human being reacting to the circumstance thing. Mm. That's my take. But please yeah.
1: please dive in. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, you're right about um th- I don't know, how do you pronounce her name again? Um, um, she. It's almost like, what What do you have to live for? Like, if you, you know, if you rule the kingdoms, like, you know, who's, le- like, who've you got? Like, you've just got some armies to rule, and then it's like, who's your friend? It's like, it's like that thing of, like, the apocalypse happens, you know, like, if there's no one left, do you really want to be the last one standing? You will be so lonely. Um... So, yeah, I mean, makes sense that she would just <laughs> blow everything up, whatever. Um, but I don't know. It was just like very. It was all. It's to me season eight was just so rushed. It was all like mm. there was no time and development. Like like you know given uh because all the other seasons had been about 10 episodes I believe yeah and this one was only eight is that right
0: I think so and I think it's because there was just an enormous amount of money spent on all the battles uh so they condensed them and I think any every Every single person you ask would probably say that wasn't the best idea in the world, mm. but clearly it was one of the most expensive seasons of TV anyway, so <laughs> to get an episode or two, maybe it was a great production decision at the time. Um, but no, I agree, I think it's also bizarrely rushed in that those first few episodes sort of feel just like a lot of conversation to set you up for what will inevitably be a hot mess. Mm. Not much happens until everything happens, Mm. but by that time the characters, and actually particularly Daenerys, I feel doesn't get enough time to explore her options or lack thereof. I think there's probably, I don't know, 10 more minutes that could have been taken from another character to justify her losing it when that bell rang. Do you know? I think just in the pacing of those first few episodes, we could have had a lot more hinting at this possibility of destruction or chaos or whatever else might be coming around the corner. And I think it would have been a little bit more satisfying rather than confusing for the listeners. Listeners? (laughs) Watchers? Audience?
1: (laughs) Viewers. Yeah, I just, in a way, it's almost like, the most human response to just go into a blind rage and to panic and to just be like ah, uh, But it's almost like on un- it's very anti-Denaris because she up until then has been very calculated, very strategic and very careful about her decisions. But you know what, I think it was just like because she's reached the, it's, it's, it is it's like what, yeah, it's in some sort of like gamer race and you reach like the very last hurdle and you're just like, you run full pelt, you like, ah, focus it. Like, it's just like, <laughs> I have nothing left to give. Um, I'm just going to do it. And it's almost like she's just like, uh, it's almost like she wants it too badly, but then it's almost like she's kind of given up at the same time, maybe. Because
0: mm, because that's it, right? The the ringing of the bell is basically King's Landing and all the Lannister armies and civilians saying, you're overpowering us, like, here's our white flag. This is this is yours now. So for the decision to then burn the city down, I think troubled a lot of people. But at the same time, don't we want dramatic fucking television? How satisfying would it have been for Daenerys just to be like, cool, and walk through the gates and sit on the throne and you know, another episode of them being like, How do we now run this land? No, 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 no. We want Mm. to see King's Landing burned to the ground. And it was it was extreme. Absolutely. People said, She's turned into the mad queen. What sort of chaos. We saw it coming early on. People had all sorts of thoughts. They still do, to this day. Much like we do, which is why we're having this conversation. (laughs) But I'm into it. I'm really into it. I really the the longer I think about it, I'm like, yeah great way to end that actually i mean the actual ending to be fucking clear was not good that would have been satisfying to just watch it burn to the ground and like see her just like running through the streets naked or something mm-hmm. but for her to be murdered and then bran be the leader of an elective monarchy was just about the worst thing that <laughs>
1: could have ended the show <laughs> yeah no no could not imagine Stark that contrast yeah <laughs> big big contrast yeah yeah i just oh yeah i don't know like it just at the ending it was just it was just so rushed and i just i just remember feeling so dissatisfied by everything that happened and i was just like pfft, like there's some good bit to get pick out but i just felt ultimately it was just so dark the last season it was just like a lot of shots of them battling the loud snow in the dark, in the fucking, it was dark. It was, there wasn't, wasn't there an episode? Oh my God. Yeah, there, yeah. You literally couldn't see for like a good 10, 15 minutes. You're just like, what is actually happening? Yeah. <laughs>
0: Turning up that brightness to like 600%. Like, are they there? Yeah. Are they fighting? Oh, you know. Yeah. 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 So funny. I agree. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of shared sentiment there for sure. Uh, Do we feel sad that she became the thing she hated or didn't want to be? She quite literally was stabbed by someone she loved, much like her father.
1: Mm. I'm trying to think about this now. (laughs) As I swivel on my chair. Um, (laughs) um, uh, A part of me is just like, is it poetic or is this just kind of cliched um i would have liked a different ending but what would you have liked for daenerys um i mean oh so cheesy but i would love for her and john to just like rule together
0: (laughs) pride and prejudice style (laughs) yeah i wanted a little
1: happy ending <laughs> Justin, tee it all up. I mean, come on. That would have been the most unexpected ending, huh? No?
0: True, actually. Yeah, to see them sitting on the throne together, like
1: Happy hand age. in
0: hand. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It actually would have been the weirdest fucking ending to this series, which is why it would have been great. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. I think it would have been, actually.
0: I think she could have still, like, burnt the city down and had a big moment, you know. And he he didn't have to stab her, did he?
1: No, John, how could you?
0: <laughs> it's actually... That moment is so sad. Again, yeah. this has, it's a season of some very moving and specific moments. But I remember sort of gasping... Even though it was sort of clear it was happening. And then is it is it drogon comes back and sort of nudges her because she's dead and then picks her up in his claws and like flies her away. Like there's just something so ugh, devastating about the idea that this mother of dragons is dead and being carried away by her like only living son that
1: is so sad yeah
0: after everything after eight seasons of rape and torture and every possible thing that could hurt a woman then she gets fucking stabbed in the front by the man she loves isn't that how it always
1: goes <laughs> it just shows the lads power is not worth it, <laughs> Say it with the embroidery <laughs> <laughs>
0: no man i mean yeah yeah. all the all the women actually in game of thrones get pretty (laughs) rough endings don't they
1: yeah it's shit for like a show that as i earlier said you know has like really interesting female characters yeah the women get really shit endings and it's just like what does that say (laughs) about how uh, maybe certain people think about women i don't know um just putting it out there and you know John for all his quote-unquote love I mean come on would love really lead you to actually kill someone to take a life yeah
0: I it's it's really messed up isn't it because like clearly she's there's been a sort of switch that's flipped on her she does have a big speech to everyone about how she's liberated king's landing by murdering a bunch of innocent people um to breaker of chains is now just breaking humans but it's it's not in that world something surprising you know is it is it only surprising to somebody like John because he's a bit of a misogynist?
1: <laughs>
0: like mm. everyone's, everyone's done that. Everyone's murdered his dad and murdered each other and gone after that throne. So for somebody to do something extreme and violent, is it just much more terrifying or unacceptable because it is
1: a woman? Hmm. I don't know. I think it's because, you know, it's like he loved her but you don't stab people you love exactly no that's why it was yeah. so shocking whereas like you know Daenerys killing humans or like killing people like she didn't know them she didn't love them she was just like you are a means to an end uh which you know i don't know john probably, like, Psychotic, yeah i mean that's probably how he saw her ultimately it's like <laughs> a means to an end um but I mean, it just shows it. It just shows the power of family at the end of the day, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Power of family, power of birthright, and, hmm, and they're doomed to repeat old
0: cycles. Exactly. I mean, Mm. at one point, this will be misquoted, but she's talking to Tyrion about, you know, the wheel turning and just a new person at the top of the wheel and a new person at the top of the wheel, and the wheel goes round. And she, in a very great part of screenwriting, says, I'm not going to be part of the wheel. I'm going to break the wheel. And she doesn't. Mm. She believes she did. And then the wheel kept spinning at the
1: cruel hand of Jon Snow it's tragic that generational trauma you know keeps on going (laughs) around
0: (laughs) just keeps on spinning
1: (laughs) yeah yeah it it takes a real radical person to break the cycle and how are you going to do that with love and with kindness Ain't which no one true. showed each other at the end of the day, because the end of the day, it was about power, it was about ego, and birthright. It was a game of thrones.
0: Twas indeed, twas indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, you heard God, it here. It's a sour <laughs> note to end on, isn't it? I <laughs> no. Let's. I
1: mean, what <laughs> that? Anyway. Well, I mean, like it was a fucking bleak last season for everyone to end on. So, like, wh- I mean, what what positive takeaways can you get? That's so
0: true. Um, do you have any positive notes, or should we just leave people melancholy?
1: Oh no, to end to end on a jollier note. I was wondering if um, you know, what what's your Game of Thrones title? You know, are you Mother I of can't... Lamps, Breaker of Mugs? Like, what's what to do? <laughs> Oh my
0: god! Um, let me think. I am <laughs> I, the first thing that came to mind was uh, "Mother of Whiskey, Breaker of Hearts."
1: Maybe. Oh, I love that! <laughs> love that! <laughs> what about yes. you? I just—I'm uh, looking at her full title now. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I am Aisling of House O'Leary, the first of my name. Um, queen of, what am I queen of, Leila? I don't know. You're queen of art history, I think. Oh, just to you though, I'm actually not. Um... <laughs> queen of creative endeavors. Oh, hush your mouth. <laughs> I, no, I think it's a
0: positive thing. Mm, you constantly have to... creative ideas. What is your,
1: you've got to, you've got to know yourself best. Mm, I know. Um, Queen of books and, oh, protector of friends. Oh, I love it. Yeah.
0: That's you. That's a good one. I love your title. Thank you.
1: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it's a bit it's very cheesy i'm really sorry i have nothing better to offer you guys <laughs> look i think cheese is the perfect antidote to this
0: the melancholy nonsense that is the ending of daenerys targaryen
1: <laughs> mm, yeah it's pretty sad but sure listen listeners um would, like tell us your game of thrones title can you best me i'm sure you can so do send us an email Hello at she's having an episode.com. Yeah, please do.
0: That'd be a lovely way to actually wrap up this season. This is our final episode for a few little weeks while we take a little break. Because um, we've yeah. got a lot of really exciting stuff coming. And we basically
1: just need actual time to not only do our day jobs, but prepare for it. <laughs> this is true. This is true. The hustle keeps on going, guys. Never slow down that cycle. <laughs> Never break the wheel. Never break. The, no, do break the wheel. That's the healthy way to do go. Break the wheel. <laughs> do break the
0: wheel. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. send us your emails and leave us your reviews, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks with something shiny and new.
1: Yeah, it's all very exciting. So until then, bye. Goodbye. And that concludes this
0: week's episode. We do sincerely hope you've enjoyed
1: your stay. And if you have, be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform of choice. Just search for She's Having an Episode and hit that follow button. We love
0: seeing your reviews too. So do take a moment to rate and review the podcast if you have 30 seconds to spare. It really helps others discover our show and that will really help the show become better by the week.
1: And if you want even more, you follow us on our social media channels, which you can spell check in our show notes as well as our email address. For any burning questions, future character suggestions
0: and general good vibes. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time. Until then.